Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're going to talk about space, outer space, and what we may be witnessing here. It's been a while. You know, technology has shown us that all sorts of telescopes and everything, they can see way more. And I just find it so fascinating. I know I'm not alone. But this mission to go back to the moon really kind of ignited and laid bare what could be a space race. It sounds great. You know, U.S. against Russia. It was an easy way of settling the score without lives lost and going to war. And now the observation is that it's China and the United States of America. Are we part of a United States space race against China? And if so, Who's got the advantage? Joining us live, Svetla Ben Ishak, Assistant Professor, Space and International Re- Relations, Air University. Svetla, good afternoon. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Arlene. My pleasure. We're kind of all excited about it. You know, we've got, a, I don't have to lay it out, pandemic and inflation and troubles and all of that. And to be able to look and 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 find something outside of planet Earth for us to put our attention in, it's just so refreshing. Uh, Svetla, are we in a space race right now? Um, in my opinion, uh, it is far more complex than just saying we are in a space race. Because uh, saying that, it would not do justice to the complexity of actions and the multitude of actors that participate um, currently in outer space. So I would say the reality is much more complex <laughs> and nuanced. Uh, and I would say no, not, we are not in a space race. Uh, and I can explain why if, um, if interested. Are- we would. You know, it's kind of like being in recession, and we wonder, we go, right. and we, we see the price of things go up, but with inflation, and we wonder, are we in recession? And then on, by the time they admit we were, we're kind of past it. Is it the same as the space race? What criteria are you using? Uh, yes. So um, if we define what is a race, right? Uh, yeah. A race is generally a competition to determine which one is the fastest or to win something, right, or to do something first. Um, and I argue that uh, in space, uh, first, number one, um, it is very, uh, the, the goal, what is there to win? There have been many firsts that have been accomplished already. For example, the first man-made object in space, the first uh, man to orbit Earth, the first uh, man on the moon, and et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but nowadays, um, kind of the... Um, uh, finishing line is shifting and it's going in all directions, uh, if you will. Um, so this is number one. And number two, so it's a competition. For competition to occur, for a race to take place, uh, it is important that all participants actually have some sort of comparable c- capabilities. Uh, maybe I would like to race, for example, you say in both <laughs> as much mm-hmm. as I would like to. Um, by the time actually I start the race, you will have finished, right? Uh, yeah, so there it is. It's like a recession. It's over by the time, by the time right. you know. So, so I'm arguing that actually uh, mm-hmm. the capabilities are very different. If we look at quantitative capabilities, who is doing what in space, there is a clear dominant state, the United States in space, uh, by various measure, measures that we can examine. Um, and But um, 
the, the United States, even even though it's dominant based on several measures, it's all, it's working very closely with partners in networks, including Canada. Um, mm-hmm. And China is doing the same, but on much smaller uh, on, a, on a much smaller uh, scale. Yeah, so allies addition, matter even when you're you're right. in some in kind addition, of a. There are also other mm-hmm. players that have similar capabilities that, uh, that even surpass uh, some of China's. Yeah, it's not in China. India, India has a massive India, interest yes. in space. As India well. is working together with Japan. Actually, they have their own kind of mission to go to the moon um, in the near future. Um, probably even launching something this year. So um, we can even speak of a tripolar race, but we're not going there because <laughs> actually sometimes the partners work across. Um, so Russia is participating in, in the International Space Station, so we're working with them. Um, Japan is participating in the Artemis Accords that is led by the United States. Mm-hmm. So it is not a well defined, as clearly defined, as neatly defined as some may 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 would like to actually argue. I mean, let me ask you: What does space stand for? The old one, U.S. and Russia. It was about power. You used the word dominance, and it's exactly what I was thinking. It is important. Look at that. We we're reading and hearing about an attempt for this new world order, and clearly, it is no coincidence that a lot of the countries like China, who are hoping, and Russia for one, are involved in this. How important right. is it right now, geopolitically, around? the world how <laughs> mighty do you look if you are solving and going into new frontiers if i can borrow a, a line there uh, in the space world what does it say about your countries svetla um right so right now we have uh, 75 countries that have uh, space agencies and even more have uh, operating satellites um in different orbits uh, in outer space um the United States is clearly leading in terms of spending. The United States is spending triple the budget of China, uh, at least, and it's growing. Um, there are several countries that are spending in the billions of dollars. Those include China, Russia, France, Germany, the European Space Agency. Canada, actually, Canada is really boosting um, its budget to $2.5 millions. Actually, they just announced it um, to support... Um, various missions, including Canada's participation in the International Space Station and uh, providing um, certain parts for the Lunar Gateway together with the United States, etc. So the landscape is actually oh, also Japan. In, uh, among the countries mm-hmm. that spend billions in space, Japan, India, are uh, among the top spenders. So there is a big gap between the United States um, that annually spends right now around 60 billion with a B uh, in space. And the next in line is China with about 10 to 16 billion, right? So there's a big gap. That's um, a lot of billions you've gone through there. Svetla, it seems to have been renewed. It was quiet for a while. I mean, all eyes were just basically on NASA. What started this? Why is it being spurned onward right now? Um, actually, the public interest has been renewed mm-hmm. thanks to SpaceX and kind of mm-hmm. private missions to space that reignited this enthusiasm, right? But there have been various, many missions, uh, state-led missions throughout the years. Um, 
And the talk about the space race, per se, some sort of kind of antagonistic meaning, perhaps came uh, in, two, I mean, after 2007, when China tested their anti-satellite weapon to destroy one of their satellites, defunct satellites. And then uh-huh. the U.S. followed with one of their own in 2008. Then India did one, a test in 2019. <laughs> and then Russia did one in 2021. So they showed also that they have offensive weapons that they can use in space, right? They can destroy satellites. So, um, but everybody realized that nobody wins <laughs> from creating more debris in space because space is a global commons um, that orbital debris, for instance, or weapons can harm anybody op- operating in space. Yeah, um, so it's it's a whole different frontier. But Svetla, I just want to dwell on that just for a little bit. There's a laying down of boundaries out there. And you're a professor of space and international relations for a good reason. Already, the space laws are being determined, aren't they? I mean, we are seared, sitting here on planet Earth, but already I'm fascinating on the work that's being done on what happens when all these countries lay their mark down in space. Right. And actually, there are quite a lot of space lawyers working to draft new, I know. new laws in space. There's <laughs> <laughs> an entire new field out there. Um, but right now, the countries are operating. There are five main treaties in outer space, uh, starting with the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. Um, and then followed by several other treaties, and they're still um, applicable, even though they were signed back in the 1960s, 1970s, right? We we need to update those, (laughs) and -hmm. and countries are working. But one one actually attempt to update those um, has been the Artemis Accords, led by the United States and signed by 23 additional countries, including Canada uh, and uh, one territory. And they are actually premised on um, articles uh, of um, kind of articles to uh, agreeing to international cooperation, to sustainability in space, and etc. Um, now, China and Russia also intend to go to the moon, to the south pole of the moon, by 2028. So within the mm-hmm. same time frame, but their scope is much smaller, and they don't have the same principles, legal principles, binding legal principles. Um, so uh, the two missions cannot be quite compared, except that <laughs> the target is the moon and the South Pole and within the same uh, kind of t- time frame. There you go. You know, all the yeah. things that you're involved with, all the things that we've been talking about, space race, the money, the millions and billions is really more correct that you've been laying out for us. Is there a pushback here? Do, do you look at it in your, your studies here, how it, how people feel about this? Should we spend this money? Is it morally and ethically correct? Is that part of the discussion, Svetla? Uh, always, yes, absolutely. Uh, it is part of the Space Force discussion, NASA discussion, um, defense discussion, defense spending discussion, the civilian space spending, and etc. Um, the matter of the fact is that there will always uh, be people who um, would disagree uh, and we are talking here about billions of dollars, even though uh, NASA's budget and the space budget is actually um, very minuscule, two percent of the of the total um, U.S. Um, government space uh, spending budget. Um, but uh, investing in space 
um, it provides both tangible and intangible benefits. Uh, and many uh, space technologies that NASA has developed throughout the, I mean, since the 1970s, actually, there's an entire site um, dedicated to off-spin technologies, <laughs> uh, space technologies that have been adapted um, to Earth usage. Um, so there are really practical benefits um, back. The kind of investing in space gives back to the ground. Um, in addition, it provides some something to dream about, right? Something to look it forward does. to. Um, it is not just the tangible benefits we get from investing in space. It's, it's also... No, um, it's something, as you say, can, dream. I, I love that right, word, dream. What, what, All what right. we can build for our children, the future generation. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.